Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. Week 11 has come and gone. The dogs have punched their ticket officially to Atlanta. They are once again number one in the college football rankings. And as they say, pretty standard, really. Guys, glad to be back here with you. Jason Gans, Lawrence Kessler, Tom Ludlam, a.k.a. Lud Coffee, back in the house. How are we doing, everybody? Outstanding. Outstanding. We're 10-0. 10 and 0, great to be a Georgia Bulldog. Uh, went down and took care of business in Starkville, baby. I love it. Yeah, so I've got a surprise for our, our listeners today. We've got our first outside sponsor. Um, you'll see that Lud is back on repeat, and coincidentally, Outer Banks Canola is uh, now sponsoring the show. <laughs> now, I'm just kidding for our friends that don't know Tom and his wife, uh, proprietors of, uh, of great granola. I like to bust his balls a little bit, but I won't mess with his nuts. So, all that being good, let's. Head on down and uh, go dogs into Kentucky this weekend. Tom, is it true to the rumor that your nuts are in the new meat shop in East Cobb, Cleaver and Cork? We are at Cleaver and Cork. I'm, I'm not sure if they've put any of ours at the East Cobb location, but we definitely have been selling a ton of my nuts uh, in Lagrange and Alpharetta. I, I will. So I'm glad to hear they're they're open. I will there. say I have a very picky child when it comes to food. And the honey sea salt blood is one of her favorite meals. Snacks, not meals, Tom, but Tom, it's, a good, it's a good choice. Tom, Tom, I saw your mom at Publix over the weekend, and uh, I told her, I said, yeah, you know, Tom, moving on up, got his granola over right up the street at uh, the meat shop. And she didn't know. She goes, Tommy doesn't tell me anything. You know, pe- people uh, <laughs> well, the- talk about their nuts with their mom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, listen, moms, moms know best. True. Back when well, he was a little nut. Yes. <laughs> she, she saw him first. So, you know. yeah. All right, Tommy, what what you got in the game? We'll let you start off. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I my prediction last week was 46 to 6, which I didn't really think out too much. I'm not really sure how we would ever get to 46. But um, you take away the moronic clock management at the end of the first half, um, you know, forcing us to punt and then having the slowest people in the world out there on the field to let them run it back for a touchdown. And then the, whatever you want to call it, Pollock-esque interception that led to their other touchdown. Um, it would have been 45 to six. So uh, we dominated the game. Uh, you know, we, we just keep, keep on rolling. You know, if some, there's somebody else gets a, Gets to be the star each week, and Lad McConkey, come on down. Yeah, I uh, I listened to our friends at UGA Sports with their recap when I was driving down to Savannah on Sunday night, and they kept talking about how it was uh, a poor performance. We didn't look good. We were unsteady. Um, I kind of go the opposite. Like this was a night game, road game in the SEC in Starkville. The cowbells were going bananas, and outside, as you mentioned, outside of a couple mistakes, 45 to 16 final, we kicked that ass. Um, 19. 19, whatever it was. Uh, we, we, I mean, dogs look dominant. Yeah, a couple brain farts along the way. But, you know, that's that's a pretty significant road win, especially coming after Tennessee week when there's an expected letdown of sorts. 
I'm not going to rehash. I'm not going to rehash some of the things that Tom said and Larry said. I think they made some good points, particularly around clock management. Um, but I think what I liked, my, my biggest takeaway from the game is that we're able to do a variety of things that we have to do to win. When something isn't there one week, we audible, we move, we switch game plans to something else. And we're, we're very multifaceted. Uh, the running game was not there on Saturday. And that's okay. That that happens from time to time. The passing game looked pretty sharp, with the exception of a couple of fluke uh, interceptions, one on a tip pass or a hit arm, and the other, as as Tom said, the, the Pollock-esque. I thought the uh, the passing game was sharp. Uh, Lad had a coming out party. Not really a coming out party, but Lad stepped back up. Darnell looked good. Um, so all in all, pretty happy. I had called 38-17. I thought I was in play there for a minute uh, at 38-19, and then we scored. Kendall Milton busted one, which he wasn't supposed to. Uh, so, uh, you know, I feel like I, I, I rolled my, my winnings over to somebody else, but but all in all, a good win on the road. Yeah, I, I, call, I, yeah, I had a 40-20 call. I think I was the closest, but due to our prices, right rules standard, I'm out. It was funny. We were texting out that Milton touchdown, and um, you know, all of a sudden, he's the guy that's kind of getting the mop-up carries. You know, I mean, he started the season as RB one, and now we're like, oh, where's he been? Is he hurt? Uh, he comes in, and he actually leads the team, other than um, McConkey, uh, yeah, in, in rushing. For me, the big takeaway is that our defense, just regardless of the style of offense that we're playing, um, they just rise to the occasion. I mean, I heard Kirby say that. You know, for three separate we- three weeks in a row, there were three completely different offenses that we played that required three different calls on defense. Basically, having to relearn a system every week. And my God, they just keep doing it. I mean, Jalen Carter, I saw one clip where he li- basically had three people trying to two on every him, play, which of every course every play is at least two. Yeah, yeah, w- which of course opens everybody else up. Uh, Malachi Starks in Starks Vegas, as we discussed last week, had a big game. Um, special teams, got to clean that up. Turnovers, I know, is a concern. Ever since Gans mentioned, you know, no turnovers on the season, we've kind of gone the wrong direction. So, I mean, I think the only team that can beat Georgia right now is Georgia by making self-inflicted wounds. But I, I agree with what Lawrence said. Like, people calling and complaining and nitpicking this game, it's like, good God, we won by three scores on the road at night in the SEC. The game was never in doubt. Um, it's just a great pl- – we said every week, it's just a great place to be. Well, name fan. one part on defense particular start there. Name one facet of, of the defensive game that played poorly. I, in fact, I think there, there's there's different strength on the defensive line as there's in the secondary as in uh, the linebackers. They're all awesome. I mean, you can nitpick some things, but I wasn't upset. I mean, if you, you're going to get hypercritical about the game, the offensive line wasn't opening up big holes. Okay, fine. Uh, we did it through the air. Well, I think part of it was, you know, we've, we've talked earlier about like the gap scheme blocking versus zone scheme blocking. Admittedly, I don't know the difference. I'm not a football guy, uh, but apparently we switched from gap scheme to zone scheme or vice versa, which affected us. But if you go back to our last game against Mississippi State in 2020, we couldn't run it. We had eight yards rushing against them. And that's what JT Daniels played. So, you know, if someone, like you said, if someone can stop the run, we're going to go to the pass. We have so many weapons. But defensively, Pop did not play his best game. But you know who did? Kamari Lasseter played awesome. He had a couple big stops. Javon Bullard until he got hurt, and thank God he's going to be okay. Uh, and then Jalen Carter, like, quite frankly, he's kind of gone in Dominican Seuss style. Like, he should be – had he not missed a couple games from injury, he's another one who should be in Heisman, Heisman conversations. Yeah, he never will be, but I agree. I mean, he's just – it's a different game with him, and he absolutely – 
demolishes the line. He, he, how often do you see sacks from interior defensive linemen? Not very often. They usually don't light up the the, the stat board. But he had another sack after you know Tennessee. He had it. He should have been two. Um, the guy is just a force to be reckoned with, and we're a different team with him than we are without him. Yeah, I, I uh, that, <laughs> so that gives me actually a little bit of concern. Like as you said, Josh, the only thing, the only team that can beat Georgia right now is Georgia, and if we don't clean up the turnover mess. Um, that's the only thing that gives me concern when we get into SEC championship potential playoff games um, is miss is losing the the turnover battle and having a huge mistake that we can't recover from. What are we sipping on there, Red? Uh, I've got my crystal decanter of uh, rye. Uh, Looks like sipping on some yak. No, yak. I got um, you know, coffered ceilings. You got to have a decanter. <laughs> Looks like the J.R. Ewing uh, bourbon and branch pour right there. Um, I enjoyed seeing Brock Bowers get to pay dirt again. Um, big O, Darnell Washington, yeah, he, he's, he's now a focal part of the offense. Um, catching balls, moving people around, he's doing exactly what we always expect him to do. Did y'all see that, that still shot of him behind yeah. Ladd McConkey after McConkey scored that touchdown? Um, just showing the difference in size between those two human beings. Um, it's, it's just remarkable. Still no A.D. Mitchell. I mean, you know, for, from a guy who Kirby said could have gone back into the game <laughs> when he hurt his, his ankle like three months ago, it seems like. Nowhere to be seen. I don't know. I mean, uh, what, 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 what is our friends over at Buttsmere saying about his ankle injury? Uh, the, the latest medical condition. So, similar to Arian Smith, he had that high ankle sprain. Arian Smith had his – he had some uh, a simple surgery to tighten whatever, I guess, tendon. We need to defer to Dr. Traub on that one. Um, and then A.D. Mitchell, Josh, you and I were at the Auburn game, came in for like one or two plays, re-injured it, probably should have had the same surgery. I think Cedric Tillman even had the same thing, which would have got him back. But now it's too late. So it's either you let time heal it and get him out there, or it's kind of like we, we get what we get with him. Kirby said yesterday he wasn't a candidate for it he, because he, Kirby was getting a lot of questions at the weekly press conference. And I guess Tua had it, Tillman had it, Arian Smith had it, and he said he just wasn't a candidate for it. Uh, but, you know, it would be great to have him back. Uh, but, again, we still have an embarrassment of riches. I really enjoy that Ladd McConkey is, is opposing fans. You know, he's the Hunter Renfro. He's the uh, Julian Edelman, you know, the scrappy white, you know, slot receiver. And he's not just a slot receiver. The guy's all over the field. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's he's starting to get his due. I, I was also happy to see Kyrus Jackson have a pretty good game and, and catch a couple deep balls, make some really good catches. Um, you know, having that, that uh, you know, another old man on the squad to come up clutch when we need to fill in some open spots. So it's good to see Kyrus back and performing. Top four playoff rankings came out. Actually, the top 25 came out. Georgia back on top. No surprise there. No change in the top four with everybody uh, winning. Tennessee stayed at five. Um, and then from there, we had a little bit of change with LSU jumping into six with an Oregon loss. LSU punches their ticket to Atlanta to face Georgia, beating Arkansas. That was a tough-fought game. Um, you know, went on the road again, survived in advance. So what are y'all's thoughts on how this this playoff uh, is, is shaking out I have currently? some strong feelings about it. Um, <laughs> I Well, look, Georgia's going to be in there, assuming we don't lose to Kentucky or Georgia Tech. I, I'm going to go on the assumption that we went out. We'll be number one playing the Peach Bowl, which is awesome. Uh, Ohio State Michigan's going to take care of itself. I, I, I My – Personal thing is I think that Ohio State will win. It's just a home game, right? 
I'm starting to believe in the Horn Frogs of Fort Worth. In fact, I'll be in Fort Worth tomorrow. I'll pick you guys up a sweatshirt if you want. Uh, I think that TC will indeed win out. They go to Baylor after beating Texas. Now, I did think they were going to lose to Texas, but I think they go into Baylor. They win this weekend. They beat the shit out of Iowa State, and then they play K-State again, uh, most likely K-State again, and they'll beat K-State. That's going to be your third team, which will leave one spot open, right? And where does that go? You know, going back to Clay Travis, I listened to his outkick, and and he is ungodly uh, convinced that Tennessee, basically, they they could just fall down and they're in. I do not subscribe to that theory. Um, I do think that there's got to be some sort of recognition for being a conference champ. People look at Clemson and they say, yeah, Clemson or UNC, Tom, let's give them both respect here, that, look, they both lost to a shitty Notre Dame team and, and whatever. Um, to go in and win that extra game or, or, or even better, survive a loss in that extra game has to be worth something. Um, is Tennessee better than Clemson in the eye test? Probably, but nonetheless, I think something should be worth uh, winning your conference championship. I think that goes for USC as well. So I think Tennessee's on the outside looking in if uh, if if one of those teams, one of those one loss teams uh, from the ACC or um, the Pac-12 wins their conference championship. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Gans. I think that if you have a 12-1 and Clemson or 12-1 and UNC, they deserve a playoff spot more than a team that didn't even win their own division. Right. Um, that being said, with the rankings that came out, Josh, you ran down with them. Like, Clemson and UNC aren't even close to the top six, right? What would you say? Clemson was eight? Nine. And UNC was nine. nine. And UNC was 12. Uh, 13. 13. And one off. Um, now, USC, I think, has the – I wouldn't say clearest path, but – USC takes care of business if they beat Notre Dame. They're uh, they got UCLA, Notre Dame, and then a Pac-12 championship game. USC wins those three against arguably three top twenty-five matchups. Then we have Georgia, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, USC. That's pretty clear cut. I do I do see a possibility for Tennessee to backdoor their way in there, but I don't think that. Yeah, to your point, I don't think that they just get it no matter what. I think that they. Uh, they are going to have to fall into it. Um, as we mentioned today, they do not control their own destiny. So I disagree with y'all on TCU, um, not specifically because it's TCU, but I just feel like every year something happens that last weekend. A team that you don't expect to lose loses. Something something funky goes down, and, and TCU. <laughs> we lost Tom there again. He's uh, He's got to go check bandwidth. Oh, God. <laughs> I think Josh thinks TCU has a tough time winning this uh, winning out. I just, I just hope Lud doesn't need to call a plumber after this. It could get, it could get hairy. Um, I think where Josh is going on this is, you know, TCU's minus three. They look like a pretty easy bet. Oh boy, oh boy, is that uh, is is that where we're going? Or we're jumping ahead. Should we go through the rest of the SEC before uh, we get to Larry's losers? I love the segue. Go for it, Big um, So, yeah, bad week last week for Larry's Losers, where they are indeed all losers. Um, Texas, you know, I can't get Texas right to save my life. They're, they're, they really frustrate me. They suck. Um, but I have four, four games that I've circled with kind of some peculiar lines that pique my fancy a little bit. Uh, quite frankly, I think the dogs minus 22 and a half. Um, after, Van, after Vandy beat Kentucky, I feel like, the dogs are going to be a heavy, heavy favorite. I see us winning and winning by a lot, but 22 and a half is a big number. 
Um, UNC minus 21 and a half versus Georgia Tech with a third string quarterback seems pretty tasty as well. However, I will not take Georgia Tech ever again, especially with Smart. Uh, Zach, Zach Gibson coming out of with his uh, pocket protector playing quarterback. And I think Tennessee minus 22 at South Carolina also looks like an easy pick. But I'm going to go on record with my sucker bet of the week. Again, I'm going against the Horn Frogs. They're minus three. Sounds like a pretty easy bet. They burned me last week, but I'm taking their friends in Waco, the Dr. Pepper drinking Baylor Bears, and I'm going to pick them this week to upset TCU. Larry, Larry you got something against the Horn Frogs of Fort Worth. It's a lovely town. I think you should probably go check. You travel a lot. Maybe check it out. I'll uh, send you some good places. I'll go with you. Let's go. Let's go together. All right. Well, like I said, I'm headed there tomorrow. All right. Well, I'm so I got the frogs minus three. Uh, I think you pumped those numbers up a little bit. You always got to pump those numbers up a bit. Uh, I thought I saw it at two and a half, but but I'll give you the hook. Uh, I'm, I don't. I kind of I kind of tuned in and out. No offense, Lawrence. Dur- during your six pack, how many games did you I give get us? Four. I, there was four. Oh, yeah. There was four that I eyeballed. And I'm taking Baylor plus three. So I'll touch on some of those, not not from a gambling standpoint. Uh, Tom and I discussed this uh, kind of on our chat uh, today. I would love to see the Gamecocks absolutely lay the wood to to Tennessee. Um, it's a night game in, in Columbia, which might be the worst place on the face of the earth. Columbia, South Carolina, we've covered that ad nauseum here on the show. Um but it does get loud there. They haven't played, to Tom's point, they have played many true road games. I would love to see the Cox beat them. I don't think it's going to happen, uh, but but give them a game a little bit. Hey, if the uh, if the Gamecocks pull off an upset, will you come on next week's episode with the Shane Beamer um, pit vipers and a little bit of swag? Yeah, you look, I'm, I'm here for everybody, isn't it? I'm here to entertain. Curious your thoughts on, the, on uh, Mr. Alvin S. Yeah, I, I have a real quick, real quick question about uh, y'all's thoughts on Mr. – actually, he's a doctor, Dr. Alvin S. Glenn in Columbia, what kind of um, reputation he has and what kind of celebration Dr. Glenn will be doing on Saturday night. He's got a hell of an Airbnb, I'll tell you that. <laughs> they have a little a – little, uh, some late-night snacks and uh, some low-carb breakfast. Wonderful, uh, wonderful robes and nice toiletries as well. Um, but yeah, check it out. It's, it's, uh, pretty exclusive. Um, but yeah, I'd love, love to see, uh, love to see the, the Cox roll, uh, roll the balls this week. Uh, Larry, we got any other good games this weekend? You know, Not really. uh, USC, UCLA, I think is going to be interesting. I have no idea. Pac-12 after dark kind of game. Uh, our friends at ESPN college game day are going to do some oh, yeah. uh, draft scout. They're going to go do some draft scouting for the Atlanta Falcons. And go see Montana play Montana State in uh, what do they call it the um, the Yellowstone uh, some Bowl. sort of the yellow the John Dutton Bowl yeah. out in Montana they're ready to rock and roll yeah there's going to be some sort um, of time other, other than that other than that I mean what other big games are there I haven't really uh, I haven't spent too much time looking at it well I was still looking rewind to last week because I was curious y'all's thoughts on uh, the Lane Train's audition for the next job in Tuscaloosa. Keep a little short, good game. Leaving, we've covered it before, but I think leaving Ole Miss or Auburn is a silly move in 2022, right? Like the expectations for him in, in, at Ole Miss, if you win nine games, you're a god there. You don't have to deal with Georgia to, to you know, your right and, and, and Tuscaloosa to your left and, and Saban. And, 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 you know, he legitimately could be the next coach at Alabama. I don't think he will be, but, uh, you know, there'll, there'll be some consideration there. I think he'd be stupid to leave Ole Miss. I know Tom brought up a good point. 
previously that you know, per Mississippi State, the state of Mississippi law, you can only sign a four-year contract there. So that's uh, maybe somewhat of a deterrent, but I think there are ways to work around that. I also think we've cut, cut, discussed this at nauseum. No one is signing people to 10-year contracts anymore unless you've won a national championship at that school. The the Jimbo you know, contract, $86 million buyout. And by the way, he lost again this week. It doesn't get any better next year. I believe it goes down to $76 million. So they are stuck with that son of a bitch. Yeah, four, they can't afford to fire him. They can't afford to keep him. It's, a, it's outrageous. So yeah, yeah four and eight uh, for Jimbo is what he's staring down the barrel at. It's not good. Um, I, I agree. Like, I don't see if you're Lane Kiffin why he would go to Auburn. Um, I know we have some friends that have been following the tail numbers leaving up from Oxford going to Auburn, Alabama. Um, and Lane is the hot rumor there. I just I don't see it happening. I think he sticks it out at Ole Miss, um, waits it out to see if Saban, if this is his last year, maybe next year is going to be his last year, and then he's going to be uh, you know primed to take that spot. He's the only one with an ego big enough, to, I think, to fill Saban's shoes after he retires. Agreed. Agreed with that. I think Jimmy Sexton's getting him a raise, um, which is just fine. I mean, that's what, that's what agents are supposed to do. Do we think Sexton and Lane are smart enough to figure out how to structure a contract for a buyout for, on a four-year deal that would match somebody else's, you know, six or eight-year deal. I don't. I think sex, I don't, sex those is. guys have made a ton yeah. of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. but is it like it? Do they have to rely on like a backroom handshake from some, you know, sponsor that's paying his actual salary? I don't know how that would work, but I just think I think. So, he certainly has no no ties to wherever he goes, right? He's willing to, you know, he's living out of the back of his van because he's ready to move. <laughs> Down by the river. Hat. We, we saw that from when, when he, we saw that from when he left Tennessee in the lurch. And, um, you know, so I wouldn't put it past him going to Auburn and I wouldn't put it past him going there for one year and then going to Alabama next year when Saban retires. So, you know that that I think would be hilarious if they hired him away from Auburn after they give him like a a giant deal. But it's four of the SEC. So speaking of four year deals, um, and I you, you guys know that I'm not a huge fan of recruiting. I think guys like Lad McConkey, what he's doing shows that recruiting is is not an exact science. But I do want to raise a question to the group: um, If Archie Manning is indeed the next, you know the next great quarterback, which I'm not so sure he is. I mean, you get these quarterbacks from these single-A small schools, and they put big numbers up, and we'll see how they translate. But let's assume for this discussion that he is the next big thing. You can't tell me he's excited watching the product in Austin, Texas, thinking that's where he's supposed to be. I mean, when's the last time they produced a quarterback worth their salt, and their offense has got off right now? The only touchdown they scored last week was on a defensive score. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer. Um, Austin's a really cool town, and he'll be a god there. Um, they probably are selling him on. We're going to build the program around you. You know, Sark has a, a track record as a, a offensive genius, and um, supposedly he grew up as a Texas fan. I, I'm not hating on him for it, uh, but to answer your question, the last real quarterback they had was probably Vince Young. I mean, I, you know, I it was Colt McCoy before or after Vince Young. He was he was, uh, he was, he was afterwards. I think he, he was. I after. think he was. He was after, yeah. and then you know Sam El Sam Ellinger currently unseated Matty Slush in Indianapolis and starting in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, he beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl for what it's worth. I kind of don't put too much stock in that game. Um, you know, I listen. I, I'm a little more bearish on Arch Manning 
he reminds me more of like a, a Brock Vandergriff, you know, putting up huge numbers at a small private school as opposed to somebody who's coming out with playing actual actual competition. So, um, you know, good luck at Texas. The message boards we fired up when Quinn Ewer starts game one, throws three interceptions, and they'll have a quarterback controversy on their hands early on, which isn't going to be good for anybody. Chris Sims, Major Applewhite style? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. So I, I don't know, Gans, the direction you're going with your Jimbo of the Week, and I'm certainly not trying to steal your thunder, but the most disappointing thing I saw over the weekend involved our old friend Dan Lanning um, and and the, the calls he made at the end of that game was, you know, we, we throw the term coaching malpractice out there. Uh, Tom, you were watching. I mean, what the hell was Dan Lanning thinking? Um, I, actually, I did not watch the Oregon game. <laughs> no, no idea. <laughs> All right. Yep. Yeah, Very I didn't good. see it either. So if you want to give us a recap, so good. so Oregon Oregon has the ball. They I think the game was tied. Um, they have the ball on their own 25, 30 yard line. Three minutes left. It's fourth and one. They decide to go for it on their own on their own side of the field. Hand off to the running back who just slips and falls. Turf monster gets him. They turn the ball over. Washington kicks a field goal. Win the game. Oregon's now out. Um, you know, listen, Dan Lanning, a first year head coach. Total, like total Jimbo game call, but I think it's something that, you know, you're going to look back and be like, this is something that he learns from. Um, you know, these head coaches, they really, really struggle with clock management. And sometimes they need to hire a VP of common sense on the sidelines and say like, hey, bro, let's just punt the ball and let's take, let our defense he, handle it. He had Bo Nix on the sideline telling him that. The starting quarterback was not in the game. The quarterback was next to him on the sidelines, basically saying what you just said. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. It, to me, it was just inexcusable. It, it cost them most likely a, a chance at the playoffs. It was the dumbest well, call I've ever seen. But anyway, we can we can we can certainly move on to games we all watch. Dumber than a fake punt in the SEC championship with uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, Justin Fields. <laughs> well, spoiler alert: it wasn't Dan Lanning. Uh, I, I could jump into it. I, I didn't watch that much football this weekend, but one game I did watch was Tennessee Missouri. Uh, and, and I'll just cut right to the chase here. Fat Josh Eipel is going to get the Jimbo of the Week award. You're up uh, something. He scored 24 – no, I'm sorry, 38 unanswered points to end the game against Missouri. He scored a touchdown with less than a minute to go, and you're already up by 35 points. No need for that. It's against the uh, you know SEC's conference team that you don't really have a rivalry against. Just a dumbass move. You get people hurt. And uh, now it just makes me root for you to miss the playoffs even more. I get it. He's trying to put up style points. But everybody knows, look, you put up 66 against Missouri and a measly 13 against Georgia. Like, people can read between the lines. So, you fat Josh Josh Heupel are the uh, Jimbo League. Jimbo, again, always a perpetual nominee. Jimbo Emeritus is Jimbo Fisher. He's got it. He's got it locked up. But how do they not fire him? Feel up. I feel like Tennessee is public enemy number one I, for games so right now. I'm just sick of the hype. You know, look, they they've, they've unseated the Mets, man. They've unseated the Mets. Tennessee is in his cross. Well, there. listen, they. I'm not gonna. I don't want to take anything away from them. He's done a really good job up there. Fat people do well in Knoxville, but the 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 hype train just needs to end. You know, they came into Athens. They played their first real game in the season. I'm not taking anything away from Alabama, but I think that was a little bit of a fluke, right? All the the stars aligned. Um, they came into Athens and they got their ass kicked. Okay. There's no two ways about it. It could have been a lot worse than it was. We beat the dog shit out of them. Sit down, shut up, and wait till next year. Beat us in Knoxville. 
Hey, pull this man's string on the volunteers. Watch them go. So, bluegrass uh, state <laughs> dogs entering. Yeah, I, I think we're we going uh, to the the picture. Yeah. Well, I was going to just say. I mean, speaking of ass kicking, you know, Georgia continues their their uh, their role heading into Lexington. How do you say game well playing out? The dudes in blue. Um, they lost to Vanderbilt last week. The team has quit on them. They've got a good quarterback, but they can't protect him. He gets his ass kicked every game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, I think it's going to play out similarly to the Mississippi State game. You know, they'll hang around for a little bit. Though. I don't think there's going to be any real moments of scare. I'll call it 45-10. Yeah, we owe uh, Coach Stoops uh, some pain. Um, he, he, you know, was it last yeah. year he – Ran the clock out. Called the timeouts. Scored a touchdown. Yeah, called timeouts to score a touchdown to be the first team that scored double digits on us last year. Uh, Kirby remembers that type of stuff. Um, I think, I mean, listen, does Kirby want to go and like get style points? Not that we need him or anything, but is Kirby going to prove a point to Stoops? I don't know. One thing I do know is it's going to be really cold in Lexington. Um, I think the dogs take care of business. I'm going to say 30 to 10. Um, you know, come in, take care of business, leave, don't cover the number. Uh, but I would like to see Kirby just, you know, prove a point to Mr. Stoops. He doesn't do that, though. He doesn't run up the score just the two clock, which is smart. I mean, um, you know, again, Kent. Yeah, uh, uh, other than the last minute and a half of the uh, Mississippi State game, Kirk, Kirby's put on a master class in clock management this yeah. year. Maybe I cut Kentucky out during the Larry's, not- Larry's Losers. Sorry. Maybe I cut out during Larry's <laughs> Losers, but did you, say, did you say 38 to 10 does not cover the spread? That, what's what is this? I said 30, 30, 30, he said 30, 30 to 10. 10. 30 to 10. Oh, okay. Well, 38 to 10 is my my pick then. Um, yeah, I think, um, is that was that was yours as well? Gans, was that your same number? I, I was 45, say 45 10. 10. Yeah, so you're threading the 45. Needle I'll go 38 10. One, one less, one less touchdown. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, we, we roll in there, we do our business, we get out. I, I was impressed by uh, not only Kirby, but also the players not celebrating the East Championship. That that finally is, that's what we do every year. Um, and saying, you know, we're just we're just looking at Kentucky. We're not looking ahead to LSU. I think they go in there and, uh, and bury, bury them under Commonwealth Stadium. Yeah, spread, we said 22 and a half. I think we cover it. Give me any number in the 30s, any number in the single digits, and I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Kentucky has not beaten Georgia since 2009. Don't set it starting this weekend. This is not being played in Rupp Arena. That's our only <laughs> yeah, chances. So, um, so, so, sorry, Ashley Judd, but you're going to leave, leave the stadium an unhappy lady. Uh, last week I asked about Stark Vegas. I got no response. Lexington, have y'all been no. there? I've been to Louisville. Big fan of, big fan of Lexington. Uh, one of my favorite road trips from college. Our, our senior year uh, it was, I think it was Wednesday night, just hanging out at the fraternity house, and the sophomore guy was like, "Hey, anybody want to go to Lexington? I got some extra tickets, and I got this girl's house. We're going to stay at her house." Like, all right, let's go. And we went up there and stayed at this girl's, who I've never met before that night. Stayed at her mom's house. She got us. Uh, tickets on the rail to Keeneland the next day, and she was like, "Hey, you, did you guys bring, you know, uh, jackets and ties?" Like, what? No, we needed we needed a dress code for Keeneland, and and 
Well, no. Well, they she goes like door to door. Her neighbors gets us all clothes that fit, and we we go and you know we uh, we eat up the burgoo and you know won a few dollars on the ponies, and then that was Friday. Saturday we came and, and beat the hell out of them. I think that was the Corey Phillips five hundred yards game. I think I think it was. I thought that uh, was Kansas Nemesis. I thought that was in Athens. Uh, but nonetheless, was it in Athens? I think it uh, was. It was a sloppy. It was a sloppy, muddy track in Athens that day. Um, I could be wrong though. Uh, <laughs> well, we well we we did beat their ass in Lexington that year too. So, did we? Uh, uh, yeah, I've heard that trip is great. Actually, I've heard Keeneland. It's something I, I've, been, do. I've been to. Yeah, I've been to Lexington for work. I've never been to any sporting events in Lexington. Not a bad little town. I could see how it could be fun. Well, sounds Keeneland like we have some is, places um, on the map we need to visit. The difference, so. So Churchill Downs, right, obviously gets all the global attention for the Derby, but Keeneland is the prettier uh, track uh, of between the two. Um, it's actually out in the rolling bluegrass of Kentucky and, uh, you know, not downtown Louisville. So I recommend it. And, uh, yes, try the Burgoo. It's, uh, it's like their special stew they have there. It's to die for. There you go. Anthony Bourdain, tell us what to do. I love it. All right, guys. Solid week. Look forward to discussing another dog's victory next week. We'll see if there's any shake up in the top four, top ten, whatever it might be, and just keep keep this train rolling. Yeah, right. By the way, I'm uh, kudos to my, my partner in crime here, Larry, uh, for being on the road, uh, jumping on this podcast. We're, we are recording on Tuesday night here, uh, not sitting at the hotel bar and wearing a Georgia shirt. Uh, Larry, MVP. Hey man, I, uh, I, oh uh, I I excused myself from dinner after having a few tequilas, came up to record, and now I'm going to go back out and uh, conduct business. So enjoyed it, I gentlemen. It. You demand. Enjoyed it. All right, go guys, dogs. go dogs. Thank y'all for listening. As always, keep chopping. Later.